I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word this morning and join me once again in Acts chapter 9. We are going to pick up the story of the church on the move as we look at Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through verse 43. The title of this message is Snapshots of Grace. And as we think about God's work in the world, I'm encouraged so much by the reality that God works through ordinary people, that God changes ordinary people's lives. And as we see just continuously through the scriptures, God at work in ordinary people, transforming them by his power. And as we think about the spread of the gospel through the book of Acts, that's exactly what we've seen during this time as well, is that ordinary people who had met an extraordinary Savior, who had had their lives transformed, wanted other people to meet that extraordinary Savior that they had met. And so as we look this morning at Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 32, that's what we're going to see once again is a snapshot of grace in the lives of two early believers. So I want to read for us the text this morning, and then we will dive back through it once again. This is what Luke writes beginning in verse 32 of Acts chapter 9. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. And there he met a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, "'Please come to us without delay.' So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, he took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed." And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon the Tanner. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, and that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we look at Acts chapter 9, we jump from the story of Paul's conversion, uh, later become Paul, but Saul, as we saw early in chapter 9, and we're going to be introduced here to Peter once again, Peter who 
was one of the main disciples who had preached in Acts chapter 2 and seen thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we've kind of lost track of him for a little bit of time, and the focus has shifted elsewhere. But once again, we encounter Peter, and we encounter him as he interacts with two people, as we have an opportunity to see two snapshots of God's grace in the lives of these two people. And as we consider these two lives that have been transformed by the gospel, I want you to write down this main idea that's going to frame our time together this morning. The mission of God is accomplished when ordinary people have a powerful encounter with an extraordinary Savior. The mission of God is accomplished when ordinary people have a powerful encounter with an extraordinary Savior. And so as we look at these two snapshots, these two people, I want you to just notice how ordinary they are. So as we look beginning in verse 32, we have Aeneas that's described here, and it says that Peter, in verse 32, went here and there among them all. He came down to the saints who lived at Lydda, and there he found this man. This man's name was Aeneas, and the scripture tells us that he was bedridden. So he was paralyzed in some way, and most likely that was a life of being paralyzed. And so as he sees him, Peter in verse 34 said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make up your bed. And immediately he rose and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. It's interesting that we really don't encounter Aeneas at all from this point forward. He's just a person who is encountering Peter in this text and has his life transformed by Jesus and the power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that was exercised here to heal him by Peter. And it's amazing to me that there's not really much else to the story. In fact, if you were going to try to preach that one story, there's just not a ton there other than to say that this man was healed. And then we come on into verse 36, and we see one more encounter of Peter healing someone else. In fact, bringing this lady back from the dead. She's raised to life. In verse 36, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. So her Aramaic name was Tabitha, but her Greek name was Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. So this was a lady who was very involved in doing good things, most likely a God-fearing woman, but we don't have any indication that she had yet met Jesus and been transformed by the power of the resurrection, as we saw in the past couple of weeks with Saul. And so here, she becomes ill in verse 37, and she died. And when they had washed her, they had laid her in an upper room. But word had come to those who were in that city with her and they found out that Peter was not far from there. And so they reach out to Peter and they urged him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and he went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. The widow stood beside him weeping and they were 
showing these garments, these tunics that this lady had made. They were reminiscing about how kind she was, how gentle she was, how much she just loved other people and was willing to give of herself to help them. And Peter, it says, put everybody else outside. And he knelt down and he prayed at this bedside. He turned to the body and he spoke to this woman. He says, Tabitha, arise. And this dead woman opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and he raised her up. And then he called the saints and the widows. He said, hey, look what's happened. Look what has transpired. He presented her alive. And of course, we know the result of something like that, a miracle like that happening, that there are many who trusted Christ as a result of this miracle. And so we come to the end there of this other story. So it's interesting to me that you have these two stories that are back to back, and we don't have a ton of information, but we do see that these are just ordinary people. Aeneas and Tabitha, whose name is Dorcas, and we see that They're just regular folks, just like you and just like me, and yet they have a powerful encounter in this moment. And I want you to notice that Peter is not the point of this story at all, and Peter is just a vessel that God uses so that his mission continues to spread throughout the known world, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to impact lives and transform lives. And so these two ordinary people have a powerful encounter with an extraordinary Savior. In fact, as we see, the result of this is that not only were their lives transformed, but the lives of the people immediately around them were transformed. That these ordinary people had miracles performed by Peter through the power of the Lord, and as a result of their lives being transformed physically, not only are their lives transformed spiritually, but others' lives are transformed spiritually as a result. And so as we see in the text that the mission of God is accomplished, the spread of the gospel continues through ordinary people's lives. So these are just two snapshots in the book of Acts. We've seen some others as we've been walking our way through. And I'm encouraged that the scriptures are filled with God working in ordinary people's lives. And not only that, but God using other ordinary people to be conduits for his grace and for his mercy and for his power, his message of salvation through Jesus Christ to be channeled and to go through them to reach other people's lives. What we see in the text this morning is just ordinary people being transformed by an extraordinary Savior. And so as we take some time to worship together, I want you to reflect on this truth, that the mission of God is accomplished when ordinary people have a powerful encounter with an extraordinary Savior. So as we saw those two snapshots of grace, as we walked through Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 43, you know, for us, I think the question comes back as 
we look at this text, we can ask, okay, how does what happened here impact my life? In fact, how can I take some of the truths that we saw, the reality that the mission of God is accomplished through ordinary people's lives when they have an encounter with an extraordinary Savior? Well, what does that have to do with me? And I want to just remind us this morning that every single one of us are ordinary people. In fact, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that, yes, you're extraordinary, not because of who you are, but because of who Christ is in you. In fact, you and I are just ordinary people, and it's okay to be ordinary. It's all right to just be an ordinary person. In fact, I would say every single person, from the athlete who's a multimillionaire to on down the line, is just an ordinary person. We're all people who are created in God's image, but we're just ordinary people. And what I love about the scriptures is the fact that we see God at work in ordinary people's lives. And so I want you to take encouragement from that reality that you may look and go, gosh, I'm just an ordinary person. I want you to know that God works in ordinary people's lives. Maybe you're watching this and you think, man, I don't know if God can work in my life. Maybe you've never taken that step of trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you have in your mind this thought that I have to be a perfect person or I have to get my act together for God to love me or for the grace of God to reach me. And I want you to know that it's not working that way. That's not the way that God works. God works in ordinary people's lives. Just like Aeneas, just like Dorcas here, he works in ordinary people's lives. In fact, you could just look from Genesis to Revelation and see that it's ordinary people that find themselves in the pages of history. You know, I think about this when you go to put a puzzle together. I don't know if you've ever worked with your family on that, but you kind of dump all the pieces out onto the table and you turn them all over so that the color side's facing up. And then you just begin working with these ordinary pieces and you kind of look at one and maybe this is a corner piece or maybe this matches something else on the picture at the front of the box. And it's just an ordinary piece of the puzzle. And yet what's amazing is that if you take all of those ordinary pieces and you put them all together, they form an amazing picture that you're able to see. And that's what I believe the scriptures are. Is just pieces of the puzzle, snapshots of God's grace at work in people's lives. And God is writing his redemptive story from Genesis until Jesus comes back. And he's putting those ordinary pieces, us as ordinary people, into his story. I'm encouraged by that. I hope you're encouraged by that as well. But I also want you to notice that not only is it ordinary people, but these ordinary people have a powerful encounter. We know that encounters with Jesus and the truth for you and for me, if we've trusted Jesus as our Savior, we too have had a powerful encounter with him. Now, you may look at the text and you say, but it wasn't like what's described here. I mean, Aeneas was healed after being paralyzed probably for most of his life. And then you have Dorcas who was raised from the dead. I mean, those are powerful encounters. And you may think, I didn't have that story. Maybe you were like me. You grew up in the church. 
Maybe for you, the only drug problem you had was the fact that your parents drug you to church every single week. That was my story, and I'm thankful for that. But there were times in my life where I just wondered, is what God did in my life, is it a powerful encounter? I mean, is it like what I read about in the scriptures? Is it like some of the stories that I've heard of God working in other people's lives. And I want you to be reminded as a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted in him as your savior, that you were brought from death to life, that you spiritually were dead in your trespasses and sins, and God made you alive in Christ. And you look and you remember the great work of God that has happened in your life. And I want you to know that that is a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ. So your story and my story are vastly different, I'm sure, but they have one common thread, and that is we've had a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ. And I want you to be encouraged that that's the way God works in ordinary people's lives in powerful ways. You may have tuned in today and you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ and you think I'm just an ordinary person or maybe you think I'm just too far gone for God to love me and I want you to know today that Jesus Christ can work powerfully in your life today that you can trust him as your savior you can be saved from your sins you can be brought from death to life, that you can have a powerful encounter today with Jesus Christ. Believer, I want you to know that you have the story of a powerful encounter with Jesus. And maybe for you, you need to share that story. Maybe for you, as I challenged back on Easter Sunday to share your story, maybe you didn't take on that challenge. I want to challenge you again. Share the story of the powerful encounter you had with Jesus Christ, the moment where you recognized you were a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus Christ saved you from your sin. Every single one of us who's a follower of Jesus has had a powerful encounter with him. And I love that we see these two powerful encounters in the text. We saw a powerful encounter with Saul on the Damascus Road. We've seen other people within the book of Acts have powerful encounters with Jesus Christ. And I'm encouraged that that's exactly how God works in ordinary people's lives. Not only that, I don't want us to lose sight either of the extraordinary Savior. It's a powerful encounter because it's with an extraordinary Savior. So on the back end of these two miracles, what we see is these two people see Jesus for who he is. And not only do they see Jesus for who he is, but all of those around them see Jesus for who he is. Now you may look and you think, gosh, Peter must have been the hero of this story. And it couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, I would make this argument that there's only one hero in every single story in the Bible. And it's not David, and it's not Samson, and it's not Paul, and it's not Peter here. The hero of the story every single time is Jesus Christ. That God's word is pointing us to his son, the word, who is an extraordinary Savior. 
And so Peter here has the privilege and the ability to interact, to be the conduit where a powerful encounter happens and where these two people meet an extraordinary Savior. But don't lose sight of the fact that the point is always the extraordinary Savior. It is always Jesus. And so for Peter here, Peter could have walked away from this moment and said, wow, look what I was able to do. Look what I was able to accomplish. But he utilized what God did through him in this moment to point people to Jesus Christ as the hope of the world. And so I want us to be reminded as his children, as followers of Jesus, that God often works through ordinary people as well. So not only does he transform ordinary people's lives, but then he takes those ordinary people whose lives have been transformed and he uses them to continue the mission of making people know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so I want to encourage you during this season, during this time, to ask the question, God, how do you want to use me in the same way that you use Peter? Now, you may not heal someone, you may not raise someone from the dead, physically speaking, but you very much could bring spiritual healing in someone's life by being the conduit that God uses to point them to Jesus Christ. You very well could be the reason that someone goes from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually in Christ because you shared the hope of the gospel with them. As we think about what Christ has done for us, it should encourage us to look around at other ordinary people just like us, to desire for them to have a powerful encounter with an extraordinary Savior who's transformed our lives. You see, that's what began in the book of Acts. That's how the church was born. That's how the church continues to grow today. And I'm convinced that's how the church will continue to grow moving into the future. It's when the mission of God is fulfilled by ordinary people having a powerful encounter with an extraordinary Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We're thankful once again for the opportunity to open your word together as your church. And we ask, Lord, that what we read about in the scriptures becomes real in our own lives. And so as we read about these ordinary people's lives who were transformed by an extraordinary Savior, would you remind us that that exact same thing has happened in our lives as believers, that Jesus Christ has transformed us. And would you remind us as well that just like Peter was the conduit, that the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ was able to flow through to these two people's lives, would you help us see that we too, as your children, can be the conduit for your grace and your mercy to flow through into other people's lives as well? so that they can experience what we have experienced, so that they can have an ordinary life completely transformed by an extraordinary Savior. So God, use us as your church to make an impact in this world so that the mission of God continues to be accomplished both in our community and around the world. 
We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to continue to worship with us as you reflect this week on how you can take the gospel message as an ordinary person, share it with another ordinary person so that they have a powerful encounter with an extraordinary Savior.